Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. And my name's Chad. So I tell you, Wayne, as a Transformers fan, I am excited and I cannot believe I'm saying this because I never thought that this would be a phrase coming out of my mouth, except it is right now. I am excited about the Bumblebee movie because when they first announced it, I'm like, all right, number one, I don't like what Michael Bay did with Bumblebee. I don't like what he did with anything. Yeah. But I don't like what he did with Bumblebee. My biggest problem with the Michael Bay Transformers movies, and it started bad, but he got a little bit better at it. They were not characters. They were the background setting. You couldn't even tell them apart. They were all the same color. Exactly. You had Optimus Prime, who was red, Bumblebee, who was vaguely yellowish. And that was it. That was it. The rest of them were all gray. You couldn't tell any of them apart. So anyway, I'll I'll link it in the show notes if you haven't seen it, but they finally released a full-length trailer for the Bumblebee movie. And what I came to find out about is apparently they're trying to spin it as like a prequel movie, but they've also intimated that this is a sort of soft reboot of the Transformers movie series to get away from what Michael Bay did and to actually get back to the Gen 1 Transformers. Yeah, it is definitely in that universe, though, because they were making some choices around characters and who they were going to put in, who they weren't. The budget is considerably smaller, and what that led to was less intricate pieces on the They look like the, the CGI, Gen 1 Transformers. You, which makes them look better. Yeah, when you see Soundwave, you don't need somebody yeah. to tell you that Soundwave. It looks like Soundwave, and he ejects like he normally would, Ravage, as if he was a tape. Oh, Ravage looked awesome on that. Yeah. Because there's a little clip on Cybertron where you see a full sound wave standing there. You see him uh, eject Ravage. You see the planes fly over. I geeked out out of it. Yeah, there, there was one scene where there was a lineup of all these Decepticons standing side by side. You had Shockwave, Starscream, uh, I think it was Skywarp. But I, I went from left to right, and I was able to identify all of them but one. Just by glance and it's like holy crap they have finally done or seem to have done what i've wanted them to do all of these years which is to take the transformers ip mature it darken it a bit you know make it adult make it not a terribly produced children's show (laughs) but actually take the gems that are in there and turn it into a workable product and it appears that's actually what they've done even like the bad guys in it they appear not comedic. They're not like slapstick incompetent keystone cops. I mean, these are genuinely some pretty dark people. For the Decepticons, they have some triple changers in there. But one of the things that they can do with it is because this one is a quote-unquote prequel, it's in the 80s. So a lot of the vehicle modes, they just couldn't do. You don't have diesels that look like Optimus anymore. Well, you do. There are, but they're so rare. Yeah. That, But now... Back to the 80s, Bumblebee can be a Volkswagen Beetle again. Optimus can be the Gen 1-looking truck, and it's completely believable because it's the 80s. Well, they also got some freedom because wasn't it GM, I think, that bought out all of their advertising, which is why, and I'm trying to remember how this worked because it varied from movie to movie, but at least in the first one, I think all the Autobots were General Motors products, and all the evil ones were... Fords or Chryslers or I don't I don't like remember James Bond movie. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember what, but it was. I mean, the whole thing, of course, was a giant commercial, and I don't mean a giant commercial for Transformers. It was a giant commercial for Mountain Dew and Taco Bell <laughs> yeah. and, and all you know, this. A little bit of product placement is fine. In fact, to be honest with you, I kind of like a little bit of product placement because I want somebody to drink a Pepsi, not a Pepsi, yeah, or something. Because that to go to the Scottish restaurant McDonald's, yeah, what well, is McDonald's the- is. Great. What is the worst product placement you've seen in a movie? Well, my answer is iRobot. When Will Smith pulls out the Nikes, and he's like, All right, I think they're Nikes. Let's yeah, say sure. they're Ni- Nike circa 1998. Right. And Mine is putting any time you have a movie about technology, and there's a hardcore tech expert who opens his computer, and suddenly a bright white apple lights up on the back <laughs> of it. Yeah. Because I'm just going to go out here and say this. It is equally obvious and implausible (laughs) yeah my problem with product placement is when there is none and you have like peepsy and all the you know or or the cans that they're drinking out of are taped and you know you never see the front yeah Yeah. and it's like that just isn't that throws me especially when you see they're trying to hide the product yeah yeah and that that throws me but 
the other end of it is really bad too when it, it could either be too much like there's too many items or the item that they're pushing takes over too much of the thing like there are james bond movies where a car you know company buys the rights well you're spending 30 million dollars to have your car in a james bond movie you know two minutes and it gets wrecked no you want it to be front and center yeah. well suddenly you're watching a car commercial yeah so i like when you're using real products yeah but i also like if there's an established product in the universe so like in a marvel movie i'm perfectly cool with seeing stark tech in something instead sure. of well the- well what was funny in iron man one it was sponsored by cisco so all of tony's computers and stuff were all cisco products and they, they had the big uh stark innovation blah blah, blah all yeah. this sort of stuff with all these Cisco rack mount servers in the back. You know what they should do? So, all right, in marketing, if you look at these marketing history things, like case studies. keep a data data center in a conference on a state. You go back to the very first product placement I remember as a kid, E.T. Oh, yeah. That was a very well done one. And do you know what? That seriously put Reese's Pieces on the map. Because and they M&M approached, didn't want to do it. They approached yeah. M&M about it. Yeah, exactly. They approached M&M and said, we want to use M&M's, and they told them no. And look where M&M is at now. <laughs> Making millions and millions yeah. of dollars. But the point is that right. it took Reese's Pieces out of basic obscurity. And now, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say it's competitive with M&M's, but you can go into any drugstore, grocery store around gas here, station. gas station, yeah. and you can find Reese's Pieces. I mean, like I said, it really put them on the map. and. Almost took Atari off the map, but, <laughs> which, by the way, it's not an urban legend. They actually did find that landfill. There, it really is a landfill full of ET cartridges. Gross. But, you know, I think the strange reason that Transformers lends itself so well to being a product placement. Well, it's about products. It's about products. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The cartoon is a product placement. Well, yeah, but even, I mean, yeah it's, a, it's a commercial for toys. But even if you take toys are products. Right, right. Exactly. But even if you take the toys out of it. Optimus Prime transforms into a real truck. Yeah. Jazz transforms into a real car. Bumblebee transforms into a real car. Even Megatron, I don't know which version they're going to use of him, but he transforms into a real firearm. That's not an invented gun. That's a real gun. Well, and that was back in the 80s when you could have toy guns that looked like guns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Soundwave, I think he was a Casio product, mm. if memory serves. In fact, yeah. there was actually a version, and it was a it was like a, a limited run, and I don't remember if it was Soundwave or if it was Blaster, but one of the two you could get in a limited run that actually was a micro cassette player. Shockwave was yeah. a real laser ray gun. Yes, it was. Yeah. Shockwave <laughs> you really could was. Buy it. Yeah. And it put Radio Shack <laughs> on the map. <laughs> it, put, it put Tesla. And I don't mean the car company, I mean yeah. Nikola. Yeah. yeah, but no, yeah. They, they were all, I guess that there's a version of Soundwave that actually was a tape player. Mm-hmm. Like, really did play micro cassettes. I want Megatron, if he's even in this one, he may still be in ice because he would have been in the Bay Universe. I want Megatron to be a gun. It'll be like the oh, no, flying submarine or something. I don't want him to be back into a pistol because it just it defies all belief. Yeah. But I want him to have the big cannon on his arm. No, I don't think it I de- want it to be a tank. It defies belief only if you do one thing. Have a human pick him up? Precisely. Yeah. And Starscream pick him up? Which is why <laughs> I think, and this is the way that I always handled it when I ran Transformers as an RPG, is I just kind of left it up to the Game Master, right. which ended up always being me. Of whether resizing is a thing or not, but I the way I always was ridiculous when it was you're a human sized ro- or you're a robot that's huge and big, sure, right? and then you transform into a car that's car size. But you're when a robot, you're thirty times the size of that. You're big, you know. As big as well, that building. was part of the reason that Michael Bay claims he changed what Optimus Prime was. Yeah. Was he said it wasn't just about the unlikelihood of seeing a truck without an extended hood anymore. We said that part of that was because of the fact that when they just did the math on it, if you were Mm -hmm. to take a truck of that model, it would actually be in robot form quite a bit smaller than many of the other vehicles. They didn't want Optimus Prime to do that. They wanted him to have a huge physical presence. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of the reason they went with this gigantic, you know, extended front, extended cab, sort of truck was to give him that space the gravitas he so deserved that, as an actor yeah so he would transform he would be enormous and not just simply big but i think the way that they could make megatron work and this is how i handle it when i run the rpg is they transform into the same size so when megatron transforms he is a pistol 
but he's a pistol for Devastator. Yeah, I could accept him as a Devastator pistol. You know, or, not as a Starscream pistol. Though. Yeah, precisely. But he 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 still is that weapon. But that weapon stays of the same scale, and so he has this ridiculous power level. And blah blah. blah but blah. I go back to what is the purpose of the other form? If the other form is to stay hidden. Becoming a gun the size of something for <laughs> Devastator is not hidden. Well, no, okay. If it's to stay hidden, that's one thing. If well, it's if, if it's you are truly a robot in disguise, but if it's all for versatility, because the Transformers yeah. could drive faster than they could run, or fly right. faster than they could run, and so I think there is also the issue of versatility in there. Well, and what's the point of a Transformer? They're on Cybertron. They're robots. They need to move an object from point A to point B, so they transform themselves into a truck to move it from point A to point B. There's no disguising. They're on Cybertron. Every single car, vending machine, gun, (laughs) fire hydrant is your fellow citizen. What are you hiding? It's only in disguise when they're on Earth. Earth, Well, on Cybertron. Yeah, on Cybertron. On Cybertron, there were a few of them that could actually hide. Like, in his original form, Soundway wasn't a cassette player he turned into this thing that was like, it's like a road fixture. It's kind of hard. I'm not sure what it was supposed to be, but he did transform into something that was otherwise part of the background machine. You know, Cybertron's a giant machine world. But wouldn't you assume everyone was a robot? I guess. I mean, it it does. Well, you you have things like Metroplex where... It's a city. The city is a robot, and it has a spaceship. Yeah, well, I mean, no, that was uh, Omega Supreme. Mm -hmm. But you do kind of eventually run into a point where, I mean, what, are you going to shoot every door and table you walk past? Uh, If you're a Decepticon. Yeah, okay, I guess you do. (laughs) I mean, Starscream's a little nuts. I don't know if you noticed or not. Yeah, and I guess if you take Energon out of the equation, because that was the big currency of Transformers Mm -hmm. in the original run, was Energon. And Michael Bay redacted that, and I hope they put it back. Because the big... I don't know, man. I saw the cartoon where they kind of blorp out these purple empty cubes, <laughs> literally stick a gas nozzle into yeah. it, and fill it with... <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't have issues. I'm not saying it doesn't need editing, because it does. you got to treat this like the unfiltered <laughs> mind. Why were they stealing all this energy and doing all this crazy stuff? Why don't the Decepticons just say, okay, well, here's some technology we're going to sell you. Now we're going to buy the Sahara Desert oh, they did. and put up solar panels and have unlimited freaking energy energon. They did. That that actually was a plot. Why are they killing everybody? They're like drinking for days. Because it's a war. I mean, look, okay, look, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you straight up. I have, there's no apologism here. Yeah. It's not a war. It's a brawl. They're Tra- fighting just to fight. Transformers. <laughs> is the unfiltered mind of George Lucas. Yes, I know George Lucas didn't invent Transformers, but I'm saying it's the same type of thing. George Lucas' original image and idea for Star Wars, his scripts, they were trash. Absolutely. The reason decent movies came out of it is because the actors and the directors, at a time when you could tell George Lucas no, told him no. I mean, the director of Empire famously threw him off the set. Hmm. That's how intentionally disconnected he was transformers was a series of toys that were brought into the marvel office and they said okay we need a comic book that gives these characters names and we need a story for it Mm -hmm. and and i guess that's all they were they were toys and so do i have the delusion that the transformers are this refined perfect shakespearean story if you do Never watch these. No, no. I series. have no you, such you delusions. Can't go back. I have no such delusions. Megatron was originally intended to be a good guy. He was gunman, <laughs> <laughs> and then he came over. And they look at like he's a gun. He looks really sinister. They didn't bring over the the first. Well, I call them mergers. I think everyone else calls them combiners. But the first mm. of the combiners wasn't Devastator. He was the second. The first one they didn't bring over because American audiences wouldn't relate to it. It was half a dozen trains, subway yeah. cars. And when I say train, I don't mean like choo-choo. I, I mean yeah, like yeah, bullet no. trains. And stuff. Yeah, I mean yeah. like subway trains. They did the same thing with Super Sentai. They skipped the mm-hmm. train season and didn't make it a Power Rangers episode because the U.S. wouldn't yeah. relate to trains. Yeah. The yeah. trains that we do relate to are like the L in Chicago and then in New York. Yeah, the New York not. subway, but... You're you know, still talking about a minority of the country. Right. And and, and they're dirty and kind of gross. Yeah. At least they certainly were in the yeah. 80s. And they're iconic, but it's the type of thing yeah. you, you know because of the fact that so many movies are shot in those cities. 
not because the majority of the population lives in New York. Mm-hmm. It's because so many movies are shot in places well, like in Toronto. too. <laughs> yeah. But, so with this movie, I hope that they bring back Energon because I thought Energon at least gave the war some kind of purpose that it was a fight for a plausible reason, which is a resource they needed and Cybertron being first of all, a factory world that consumes energy, not produces it. But secondly, also a rogue planet. It doesn't have a sun. It was dying for lack of energy. It had no source of energy to power the robots that inhabited it. And so they had a reason to be fighting over an incredibly and increasingly scarce resource, which was very energy they needed to live. The same way that you can imagine a dozen starving people fighting over a sandwich and a two liter bottle of water. If the starving people could turn to like a vending machine and a fire hydrant. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I'm not, but you know, it does going back a few thoughts here. It does lend itself so well to product placement because the transformers are a product, but the transformers also turn into products. Right. And so therefore, even if you didn't want to do a product placement, they are by nature. It's a perfect I, metaphor for the 80s. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Bumblebee, every time he transforms, whether you want him to be or not, if you're keeping faithful to his original form, he's an ad for Volkswagen. Right. Period. I mean, that's just what he is. You might as well make some money off of that. Yeah. So anyway, that was a huge tangent, which I'll put a link to the trailer in the show notes. If you like Gen 1 Transformers, I once again, I can't say this thing is without its flaws. I can't say my needle's at 11 for this, but my needle has moved from absolute zero Kelvin. Yeah. I do not care at all. Like, I could not possibly care any less to it is now. I might actually go see this movie. I haven't seen one in the theater since the first one. I've never seen one. In the and no, I this have. This is the first I one s- I'm debating on seeing. I saw the original thing. cartoon in the theaters. The, when the movie. I saw up until, I guess it was the second one. And when Devastator had balls, it was like, done. <laughs> out. I, I mean, it was like I had waited that whole movie to see him merge. And it was so awesome to watch him merge. And then he had balls, and I'm like, done. This is really the fundamental problem with nostalgia. Your childhood is in the hands of an idiot, (laughs) of people who don't care. Or that's like the whole don't get it. You you talked about this with Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. and I've read something similar with comics, where they said that one of the things that really fundamentally changed about comic books, and you told me a similar story Mm -hmm. about Doctor Who, was that when people would come in to do comic books. It was a job. Yeah. You come in, you draw the art, you write the stories, you put together what it is you think the kids will buy, mm-hmm. you punch your time card, you go home, and you're embarrassed by your job. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, a generation comes up that grew up on these things. Right. And it's not a job. They love these things. They love Spider-Man. They love Batman. They care about these things, and they get these characters. In fact, in many ways, maybe they get the characters better than the creators did. They look at these characters, and they see subtext and B-plots and whatever Mm -hmm. that the creators themselves did not understand they were making. And they breathe a life into these things. And you were telling me about how Doctor Who was like that, where the first couple of actors, this was what you did when you had to pay the rent because Shakespeare in the park wasn't covering yeah. it. Yeah. In the eighties, the, and then along came Dr. Who X, whoever that right. was, who was the first one that's like, I love this character. It's been my dream to be this character. There was a, in the eighties, the kid with the blue star pin, uh, one of the companions, I, I don't remember what his name is. It wasn't Adric, the, was it? No, because Adric was the redhead kid, I think. Yeah. It was the math guy. And this it was a young man. He was like 19, 20 years old. If that, and it was his first real acting gig. And it was the 80s. So Doctor Who had been around for 30 years at that point. Well, when he was a kid, he grew up with it and loved it. And he became an actor. It's one of the things that inspired him to become an actor. And he actually got his shot to be on Doctor Who. And he talks about how you can't be the screaming fan. You're an actor. You're a professional. You don't go up to Tom Baker and start shaking his hand and don't let go. You know, it's that's unprofessional. And actually that changed. And like you said, that changed when in the 2000s, they rebooted the series and all the people who grew up with it were the people who started the reboot. And then they hired other fans in the industry to make it. Now, and that's good. Sure. But when you get somebody who either a isn't a fan. So uh, Zack Snyder, 
Sure. And, you know, he doesn't give a shit about Superman. He handles it poorly. He, it was he, the he, same way that, uh, oh, who was it that did the most recent Star Trek movies? Who it openly admitted. Right. Oh, J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams. Yeah. So openly said, I don't like Star Trek. I'm only doing this to get a shot at right. Star Wars. So mm-hmm. you have either those people make it or you get somebody who might be a fan like Michael Bay. Yeah, I don't I know have if he's no, not. Yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that Michael Bay is a huge fan of Star Wars because the guy is like really into everything he does, right? Sure. But his view of it, and I'm not going to say, oh, well, it's not the one true canon view, but it's like this real... It's fil- It would be like if I wrote Doctor Who. Sure. It would be my take on Doctor Who, and I shouldn't write Doctor Who, you know, it, it, because mm-hmm. it, it, nobody would get it. Nobody would understand because it would be me writing for me. And so, like, Michael Bay would write for Transformers or make his Transformers movie, and he would bay it the fuck up. Which he did. Which he did. Yeah, it was flag-waving and tons of explosions. And the Transformers were a background set of characters to a U.S. military science fiction alien invasion story. Right. He was telling a very... He was never telling the Transformers story. That's my problem with it, too, with the Bay ones, is Mm -hmm. that... It's not that he changed things. Mm-hmm. I accept that things have to be updated and changed, yeah. and I'm not looking for my memory. What I'm looking for are characters, yeah. and they weren't characters yeah. in his he movies. He made it up. Yeah. They, yeah, they were either cardboard or they were caricatures. The only one that I felt actually kept any character depth was Optimus Prime. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why that is, if he's an easier character to write or if they just gave him more care. I mean, I know they cared enough about him that they brought back the... Well, same to the guy that voices him. And there was, a, there was a push to bring back the guy that voiced Megatron. But for some reason, they didn't get him back. But they could. He's still alive. But at least he was when they were filming. I guess he's still alive. But they weren't as interested in bringing him back because I guess they just didn't consider his presence as important or iconic as that of Optimus Prime. Which I, I guess my thing is that I'm not really big into nostalgia, but you shouldn't lay all your chips on nostalgia. You should have... Your happy childhood memories yeah. kind of quarantined over there and enjoy them and love them. And then when new stuff comes out, it's got to stand on its own. And it's also got to appeal to people who don't have your nostalgia because movies, TV shows, books, comic books, all it's, it's all product. It's a business and they have to make money. So if they're only appealing to the super fans, they're not going to make any money. I, yeah, I think you know? of it not as nostalgia. Because I think you're 100% right about yeah. nostalgia. I, I think of it more as evacuation. Hmm. That you've got 30 minutes to load up the car. Hmm. You can't take it all. In fact, now that you're actually having to make hard choices, hmm. all of it is probably not even worth taking. Right. Yep. But that's not to say there aren't some gems in the photo album that really are that good mm-hmm. or that important to you for whatever reason. Yeah. And you can salvage these and build a new life from them. And I think that's the way I look at this is I don't look back at my childhood with this deep nostalgia. Now, maybe some of that's because of the fact that I've no, made no secret about the fact mm-hmm. that I had it's a, a life. pretty unhappy childhood. Sure. But I even still don't look back at the things I enjoyed with these rose tinted glasses. I mean, I love the first 20 minutes of the Transformers 1985 movie. Yeah. But I still can hear Unicron making that munch noise. And it gives me a mild stroke every time I hear it. And it bothers me that someone in a studio somewhere thought that that was meant to appeal to me because I was a kid in the 80s. Right. And it's terrible. But I think there are some great ideas in there. That can be mine. That can be brought forward and built anew. Yeah. But you have to understand what they're about. I mean, let's go back to the the family photo album thing. If I put down a picture in front of you cold, you're going to have no idea what the significance of this picture is. What was going on, who the people are, why it's important, why this is part of rebuilding a life and a family legacy, why this particular clock is an heirloom while that one is screw it, leave it behind. Yeah, You don't know these things unless somebody tells you. So you need somebody who gets the essence mm-hmm. of why that picture was important, but a hundred others weren't. And the problem with someone like Michael Bay is I don't know if he's a fan or not. I really don't know. But if he is, he doesn't get it. He's a fan of money. Sure. <laughs> and certainly a fan of explosions in the U.S. military, which that's fine. Well, I look make as a, those movies. I look oh, as, a comparison, as a comparison, I look at the Power Rangers movie. 
horrible movie. Sure. Guy that made it was a big fan, and he tried to update it, and he tried to bring through what he thought was important. Mm-hmm. He also has the aesthetics of Michael Bay when you look at the character designs. I don't know why that character design is so popular. The I don't even know what to call it, but like the Michael Bay robot design, that's kind of what the Megazord design looked like, mm-hmm. where it's a lot of... Spiky nonsense? Yes. It doesn't really make any sense at all. Yeah, it's this overly complicated origami of yes. just stuff. But that was someone who knew the, knew the property, tried to bring things through, and I don't know what went wrong there, but that was not a good movie. Mm-hmm. And it missed it missed the heart. It tried to take it too seriously when you have to acknowledge some of these properties you can update and make serious. Some of them you just can't, and you need to keep them for well, kids and fun. And I think people need to understand, too, that nostalgia as a product, not the nostalgia you feel. Nostalgia right. you feel is all you. Right. The nostalgia as a product that's being served to you is a sliding window. It is a sliding window of 35 to 45-year-olds. And every time somebody leaves and enters that window, the whole slide moves. So right now, we are in the 35 to 45-year-old nostalgia window. So everything from like 1985 to the early 90s is in. It is in, man. We are all of our TV shows are getting remade. All of our comics are getting remade. All of that is getting remade. And you know what? Before that, it was like, Scooby-Doo and Bloodhound Gang and stuff. Not to say that those are bad, but that's yeah, like... But they went through the, all the remakes and the live actions the remakes as well. All the remakes and the 70s stuff and the Magnum P.I., all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, before. Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels, because that was the window before. And the win- the nostalgia window keeps clicking forward year by yeah. year. And yeah. pretty soon, the window is going to pass by our stuff. Yeah. Even Star Trek and Star Wars, you mm-hmm. can say, fell into that nostalgia yes, window. It is all a nostalgia window because 35 to 45 year olds go and see a lot of movies. Well, we have, yeah, a disposable income. Yeah. And we're but, trying to regain our childhood because well, we're understanding we're not young anymore. I and think even better if you can sell toys along with it and yeah. get a new generation. Well, that's the right. thing. It's, so in 35 years, bingo. I, I think the them. two things, because you're not wrong in the least, but I think the two things that I would. Add to that that I would nuance it with is that, first of all, Gen X, and, and I, I shouldn't limit this to Gen X, so I'm just going to speak to Gen X because it's obviously it's the one I'm most familiar with. Mm. When compared to generations before ours, we have a very, very unique interest in passing back what we had. And what I mean is if you go to a typical kid of a Gen Xer, they know what Transformers are. They know what G.I. Joe is. They know what Ninja Turtles are. I mean, goodness gracious, my nephews are bigger Ninja Turtle fans than I, than I ever was. And I didn't see that as much with prior generations. I am one of the few people I know of my age who was shown things like Howdy Doody by my dad. You know, the the black and white yeah. TV shows where I saw the zipper suit hmm. 1950s <laughs> sci-fi movies yeah, I saw some shows I probably shouldn't even mention. <laughs> uh, use your imagination there. But I saw some things I probably shouldn't even mention because the fact, uh, the point is that right. it's very rare for me to talk to someone my age where their parents had any interest in passing back that legacy, whereas we seem to have that. But the. I didn't play golf and I didn't read romance novels, so my parents didn't really have much to pass on <laughs> well, to me. So. That's the other thing. When you look at it, this is really one of the first generations that look back to our childhood kids shows and spend money and still are proud of it. Mm-hmm. The previous generations, those were kids stuff. Yeah. I when mean, you're yeah. an adult, you don't go back to the kids stuff. Right. Maybe it's because we haven't had a world war. Once you I don't even know. get to the lower end of Gen X, how many people have even seen an episode of Buck Rogers? I'm not even talking so much. I'm not <laughs> saying you are, and I'm not even talking the original, original Buck Rogers, right. which going way back was a radio drama. I'm not even talking the original black and white TV series. I'm talking it was the 60s or 70s when they rebooted it into a color TV show. It wasn't a great show. But once again, if you get past even about the midpoint of Gen X, how many people have even seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the first generation that really, they said, didn't give up their childhood. They brought it with them into adulthood. And it's not a case of those are the kids things you don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. I remember being junior high or so. And mentioning Spider-Man and someone saying, 
what? That's kids stuff. Right. Right. And then the movies start coming out. And oh, then... my my mom to this day still asks me, do you play those kids games? Meaning either role playing games or video games. It's interchangeable. Yeah. Oh, I remember when you were a kid. Have you saved Zelda yet? You, it's like, mom. Legend of Zelda was a hard game, and I was five. <laughs> no, I haven't saved f***ing Zelda. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you couldn't. Come on now. Have I saved Zelda? Yes, I've saved Zelda. Come on. Well, yeah, that's what emulators and save right. states are for. Yeah, I'm 42 now. I can save Zelda. I I, I can save Zelda across a swath of games, but Mom. But you still can't beat Battletoads. Oh, God. Oh, I, I would want to. I can with save scummy. You just get a, an, an emulator. And you just hit the F key that uh, does a state save, like, mm-hmm. every time you make it across like a I screen. Like I said, who would want to? <laughs> I did that with Castlevania because I was really curious to see what the end of the game was like. Just right. to get there, right? It has a lot of good art. And these, I was also know. really bored in New Mexico. <laughs> and I also beat, at uh, that time, and this wasn't on a save state, because at the time, this was a brand new game, uh, Doom 2. At its hardest difficulty setting, I beat the game mm-hmm. fairly, and because right. it wasn't emulated, that was at the time like I oh. said a cutting edge game. Those old regular Nintendo games, most of them, the endings were just. Are you, you reached, a bad enough dude to save the president? Yeah, you reach you the end. The president. You reach the end. And it just says the end. Yeah, yeah. there was hardly ever anything worth it. Get to him. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> now where you do? Can... are you going to get on the internet and complain. Yeah. No, it's 1982. Yeah. It's not like now where you get cut scenes and yeah. all this extra well, stuff. And no, me, back then it was the end. Let me give you a bit of info here for all these youngins out there. So the way an old television, what's properly called a CRT or a cathode ray tube, which is where the phrase boob tube or watch the tube comes from. So the old televisions, the cathode ray tubes, because of the way that they drew images. It shot a particle beam at you. They did. And you could not, as a result, very easily take a picture of them. As one example, I had the Atari version of the stand-up arcade game Gorf, mm-hmm. which I really, really liked. And there was a club or something like that where if you got a high enough score, you could send in a picture of the screen and they would send you, I don't remember what it was, like a poster and a t-shirt or something. And I did. I got the score high enough and sent that in and whatever. Do you know how damn hard it was to take a picture of that screen? <laughs> I don't know how many attempts it took with how many Wait, different did cameras. Did you have a crappy phone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was holding up my, Your rotary, my phone. rotary phone or my touchtone phone <laughs> to it. Which, by the way, the, the, the precursor to hacking is something called freaking. And what freaking was was people learned that they could emulate the tones on a touchtone phone because it wasn't digital with a cracker jack whistle specifically crunch whistle. Crunch. yeah yes, and Captain they crunch learned that they could emulate the tones that the analog receptor on the other end was listening for and they could hack the phones that way without actually dialing a phone call yeah, so i'm just imagining you taking these pic- this picture of the uh video game because you couldn't see what your picture looked like when you took it. No. So you're going to have to take a couple yeah. of them to make sure one of them. You have to take gets. it down either the Kodak thing or the Fox camera shack or whatever and drop it off and then come back, pick it up in a few hours or a few days and hope it turned out, which usually it didn't because either because of the way the cathode ray was working, you either got part of a screen or you got a really blurry image or the flash just lit the whole thing up and you have a bright white panel. I mean, it. So. <laughs> yes, role playing games. We play role playing games here and there. Yeah. You know, actually, I got one more thought on this. And then, oh, I saw a tweet today, and it came across my phone. I haven't actually a tweet from 1984. It was. It was from Bob Van Tweet when he <laughs> was first inventing tweet. <laughs> Watson, come here. I need you. <laughs> Hashtag fucking now. <laughs> Have you seen that commercial? No. Where it's, no, I'm one. You yes, are two. That one. It's so there's a like a play, like an old like 1800s play. Sure. And I mean, this like you're expecting Lincoln to get shot type theater. Mm-hmm. And they're doing something on stage, and all of a sudden you hear a phone ring in the audience, and it pans over all these people. And you see this guy with this big old beard and glasses. He's got this gigantic, you know, old timey right. phone with like the horn on it and the the, the earpiece that's yeah. on the side. He pulls up, like Alexander Graham Bell, Heidi Ho, there, and it's like, 
Uh, no, I'm one. I think you wanted two. <laughs> I think it was before a movie. I don't remember where I saw it. I'll link that in the show notes as well. I found it strangely amusing. I want to say it's like a car insurance thing or something. I, I know it says something along the lines of, uh, as long as people will be rude in the theaters or something like that. Yeah, something, something. I, I don't remember. I just... What's a commercial? <laughs> it's odd that I actually have seen this one because I don't watch commercials. I fast forward through them. Yeah, so but I have you, caught this one for some reason. So things you get around by having Netflix or Roku or whatever. So, all right. Anyways, uh, role-playing games. I guess we got a few minutes to talk about those. So, so <laughs> the, the, we actually did have a full topic, but I guess we'll save that for next time because this is turning into a bonus episode. But the uh, I, I saw a tweet <laughs> before we get off on that again. And I don't know where it came from, so I may be giving credit where credit does not do, but I'm going to give credit where I saw it, because I actually didn't open up Twitter and look. I it just saw it, like, in my alerts. But I saw it from one of the guys over at, I guess, Saving the Game, and uh, which is another podcast. I'll link them in the show notes. They made the point, and I, I had never thought about this, but they're completely right. Do you know how many of these Saturday morning cartoons actually work really well if you want to do them as a role-playing game in a superhero system. So think about it. G.I. Joe, superheroes. He-Man, superheroes. That doesn't work as well for Transformers. But there's a lot of these I, gummy bears. <laughs> I could do it in a superhero. Sure. I mean, you don't have really similar powers. <laughs> yeah. R- Rainbow Bright. I mean, any of these Care Bears, whatever. All these ones work out so well in a superhero role-playing game. Hmm. And I had never thought about that, of trying to contemplate these characters in the context of being superheroes. Mm. But it's like, that's exactly what they are. Because each of them was sold on a shtick. Right. Here's Animal Guy. Here's Machine Guy. Here's, you know, whatever. Well, I've got a cartoon for you. It's Accountant Guy. He has (laughs) no powers and a really boring job. Let's watch that every Saturday morning. <laughs> but damn it, can he do your taxes? Oh my god, he can. You know, you say that, but you're a fan of the calculator. I am a fan of the calculator. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's a reason the I'm a The character of the calculator, yeah. for anyone who's not, not following. Not a calculator. Not, not like a... Yeah. yeah I am a fan of the calculator because what I am really a fan of is really stupid characters from the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s that were a pro- admittedly a product of their time. Yeah. They fit in very well... In 1972, you know, it's very psychedelic, very silly. There's a lot of schlock to it and stuff. But, you know, comic books change, especially DC, very dark, but they're not going to flush their entire IP. They have all of these characters that they own and they're established and they're in universe, but you got to update them. Yeah. And some of the updates are really cool and awesome. Catman. Catman was an incredibly lame character Mm -hmm. that became awesome. Yeah. And be, uh, when they updated it. Was it Professor Light, I think, was a really stupid character. Yeah. But the story they wrapped around him, like why he's so wacky, was really good. Calculator's my favorite because of how they did it. Because the calculator in the 70s, he had a friggin' calculator on his chest, a huge one. And he would press the huge buttons on his chest <laughs> and calculate the probabilities of how Batman was going to fail. It was really stupid. But it, so they <laughs> doesn't even read that. Doesn't even read it. Yeah. yeah. So in how they modernized him is now they didn't do this long story arc and stuff. They just he was not in the comic books for fifteen years. Suddenly he appeared and he's modernized. But they're just like in media res. One of the bad guys is talking to him and he's an information broker because he's because he's really smart. And he, this guy is trying to say, like, okay, I'm the calculator. You know, I got this. I got some information for you. Got some things you might like. And he's like, all right, man, give it to me. He's like, well, you know, you got to pay. You know, I don't give this out for free. And he's like, oh, man, you know, I'm light. You know, I just spent all that money I robbed from the bank. And, you know, I got, it's like, no, I, get, I give no free. It's like, come on, man. I know you. I knew you in the big calculator days. And he's <laughs> like, dude, we're, we said we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> it was really neat. It was really cool because they totally acknowledged it. And But the characters update. I love stupid updated characters. Arkham yeah. Asylum had a good one. It was the uh, the calendar. Calendar Man. Calendar, calendar Man. Holy crap. He was a guy who only commits crime on holidays. The, uh, the long Halloween was what redid Calendar Man. Yeah. Where in Arkham Asylum, you know, you're going through, you never fight him. You never talk to him. But if you go down a side passageway, you find a cell. And the cells have glass fronts, kind of like Silence of the Lambs sort of thing. Yeah. Except you can't see him because he is this crazy nut job serial killer guy 
who has lined his cell with old calendars that he's taped up against the wall and he's just this gibbering loon talking about, you know, he's going to kill people on this valley. And it's just like, oh, fuck, that is spooky as shit. And it was really neat. I think that's a form of nostalgia. Well, no, it isn't because I wasn't alive in 1972. Okay, well, fair enough. But I mean, I think it's the same Mm -hmm. thing of of taking what's good about something and Mm -hmm. salvaging it, calculating how it Calculating, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think nostalgia to me is... There was something in the past. Yeah. You enjoyed it, and you probably don't remember the bad things about it. Yeah, sure. But you remember the good things and the good feelings, and you take that good and you bring it to the now so you can feel that good now. I don't do that, but I don't think it's bad. I I only think it's... I don't ever want to say it's bad because it's just people enjoying themselves. I think it gets... People get a little too intense with it. People get a little too hooked on it, like... Only the 80s were the best, and only 80s cartoons were great. It's just like, okay, calm it down there. It is not remembering the bad stuff and looking at things with nostalgic glasses. The Transformer cartoon was horrid. I mean, it was just really bad. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I loved it. I had all the Transformer toys, and I can look back, and I can remember those Saturday mornings with my Transformers toys. And I mean, it's a fucking commercial. It wasn't even a good commercial. Yeah, well, even, what I love in the case of Transformers is... The more modern, updated comic books. Oh, yeah, they're they, great. They and fall the, back to the Gen 1 era, so they look yeah. like I remember them looking, but they're much more updated, more serious stories. Some of the TV shows, the modern TV shows oh, yeah. for kids. Transformers Prime, good. I loved. Yeah. yeah, I watched it with Scott. Then that was the neat thing for me, watching that and the updated Nickelodeon Ninja Turtles, which was actually really good, watching it with Sky. You know, I could bring a little bit of that nostalgia up, leave the crappy stuff behind yeah. and share it with my son. And we watched it and yeah. enjoyed it together. Voltron. And that's cool. Voltron's another great example. Yeah. Of uh, the I new hate- show is incredible. I hated Voltron as a kid. Yeah. I hated a team as a kid. And it, I loved both. I mean, I don't, and I don't mean that in the snob way. I hate repetitive things that I have something mm-hmm. about me yep. like repetitive songs Repetitive lyrics that that just go repeat, 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 yeah. repeat. You repeat. always knew what was going to happen yes. in Voltron. I, the I monster's going to show up. They're going Scooby to form did. Voltron. They're going to do Blazing Sword to kill it. And it's the same animation. A-Team, same plan, same thing, same format, week after week after week. I hated Scooby-Doo. And I know that's like anathema to say, but I thought Scooby-Doo was terrible as a kid because it is absolutely identical every single episode. Scrappy-Doo sucks. And it had a fucking laugh track. So it was awful. As a kid, I hated it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually, I was. And I didn't know who Laurel and Hardy was because I was friggin' five years old. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think, I think, Chad. I didn't know who Sonny and Cher was. I think we were a bit too young for Scooby-Doo. We were, yeah. Well, it's I think sliding we, nostalgia. Yeah. It was clicked a little. So, okay. So here's the sliding window of nostalgia. I think we've been five or ten years older. Yeah. I think Scooby-Doo would have resonated. I really way. enjoyed Scooby-Doo as a so kid. here's a perfect example of the sliding window of nostalgia I was talking about earlier. Scooby-Doo, Dan and I were 42. Yeah. Well, Dan's always 25 because he's pretty. Sure. I'm, I'm the old 42 guy. But we are a couple of years a little too young for yeah. Scooby-Doo. We just shaved off, missed it. On the other end of it, Wayne is younger than us. We are too old for Power Rangers. Power Rangers does not resonate with Dan and I. We didn't watch it. We look at it. I mean, this sounds bad. I don't mean this in a bad way. I look at Power Rangers. I'm like, that's really stupid. I don't see how anyone enjoys it. Again, wrong demographic. It wasn't for me. You didn't get it as a... Honest question. When when my nephews... It was for Wayne. When my nephews come over, they're playing with Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're playing with Transformers. They're playing with things that may... Be cosmetically different, but I I know the IP they're messing with. That's I, because after the... But I have never seen them, right? So if we yeah. just talk about what's surviving and what isn't, it really does seem like the things of our use have a sort of... Resonance? Yes, no, or durability. Because no, I've don't. never seen Absolutely them bring don't. over Power Rangers. Nope. Some of them do. Uh, not your nephews, obviously, but some kids' age do. Yeah, Sky they, does. Yeah, I've seen Sky's... New Megazords mm-hmm. that I don't recognize because it's he, Wayne the newer and Sky had conversations about. So Power okay, so but, it is still thing. Right. But what it is, it's not that it resonates. It's the window of nostalgia leaves a detrius in a wasteland of unoriginality. Yeah. Travels through Power Rangers <laughs> right now is hitting that nostalgia point. After the mid nineties, people stop coming up with original ideas. Yeah, 
No, I think people with money, <laughs> I, right, what right, happened right, was the right. methods of distribution became too gate-kept. Yeah. Or actually gate-keeped would be the proper conjugation. But the point is that they became too locked down, and the people who had the money and the means of distribution well, let me put it suddenly didn't want to risk anything well, on Yeah, well, it's risk in a business. Let me put it to you this way, Dan. You are, you are an investor. I'm a producer. Yeah. You have billions of dollars. Sure. I come to you and I say, listen, I'm going to make a movie. Is a completely untested IP. I give you the elevator pitch for the IP. Sounds good, but it is completely untested. Totally new. No one's ever heard of it. New concept. We think it's going to be wild. We want you to give us $100 million to make it. Now, Wayne comes over to you and he says, I'm doing a Batman remake. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> assuming he's got a good pitch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, $200 million, Batman remake. Boom. You're invested. No, I'm, I'm completely with you. If, if somebody came to me and said, Dan, Here's a suitcase with $150 million. Make a Sky as a Glass movie. I would happily do so, and I would want it to succeed, but I wouldn't care because if it flopped, it'd be like Brewster's Millions, and after it's done, i just go back to work on Monday. Yeah. But if I was a businessman, I mean, you're right. I I get it. I'm not saying I don't get it. Right, right. But it blows. Well, see, here's the thing that people really hate hipsters because hipsters get it right. Now, there's a lot of stuff that you can point out with hipsters. Hipsters make their own experiences. Now, their experiences might suck. They might seem silly to us. We don't get it. We're not plugged into it. What did we do? Our experiences are products that they're sold to us. Well, okay. I see what you're saying, but I don't know. I would use the hipsters as my go-to there. Right. Because there is very, very good market evidence. Absolutely. And mathematical evidence that hipsters actually are very damn identical and very heavily productized. Paps Blue Ribbon, sure. Apple products, oh, yeah. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But in the... And you were also missing one thing with your uh, analogy of the, the movies coming in. Yeah. And I'm going to use Doctor Who as an example of Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Someone came up with the idea for Torchwood. Mm-hmm. It was a sci-fi TV show. Had, had nothing, nothing to do to with do Doctor, Doctor Who. Who they pitched all. it to BBC. BBC said, that's a really interesting idea. But if we tie it to Doctor Who, it's going to make more money. Right. So it became a Doctor Who spinoff. We're lucky something. it didn't become oh. a Top Gear spinoff yeah. because Top Gear and Doctor Who are BBC's so, two number money. Two in the case of Torchwood, things. that worked. Yeah, but there are other properties like that where shows have been shows or spinoffs mm-hmm. have been pitched that have nothing to do with the property. S- Super Mario, and then they too. just cover yeah. it yeah. over with mm-hmm. the names, and they make horrible movies. Right? Yeah. I like Super Mario too, but oh, I did too. <laughs> but, but you're yeah, right; it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a Mario game. Have you ever played the actual Super Mario two? The I Super, have. They they released it under the name Super Mario Lost Levels. Holy crap! Is it bullshit hard? <laughs> I mean, it is severely Nintendo hard. Yeah, Nintendo hard. It mm-hmm. is like you know how now they've got those editors where people are making these intentionally mm-hmm. total BS. Like that's what the game was like. Just about it was just controller breaking frustrating it, it was i i thoroughly enjoyed super mario 2 even though i know it was not a super mario yeah. product they just took out the sprites and put in mario and luigi and whatever to make it work but yeah i've long ago realized that a lot of the things i had nostalgia for when they try to make a movie it's going to be horrible but it's also in the same time period that now i can get some comic books mm-hmm. where they've updated these ideas and there has been some damn good comic books from right. some of these properties Yeah, that they're not in the movies because the Power Ranger movie, for example, is horrible. Mm-hmm. The Power Ranger comic book that they launched where they updated yeah. and modernized it is really good. That's great. Yeah. That's something that you don't really think about all the time. Of You know, they might do product X like mask, that cartoon mask that we like with the trucks and they had masks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like if they redid that, I mean, it, it was terrible then, but we loved it and they they do a movie on it. The movie would be terrible, but you know what? They'd have t-shirts. And we'd be like, oh my god, I can get a mask t-shirt. You know what? That's another one. The mask, all superpowers. Yeah, they are. I was thinking about that when you said that. Yeah, right back to saving the game superhero thing. The the masks are all superpowers. So I never thought of it that way, but they're absolutely right. So if you want to earn your 80s nostalgia, once again, it doesn't work for everything. Mm -hmm. Transformers is a big example. Transformers is a big example. It doesn't work. But for so many of them. They work great in a superhero system. Because they're simple concept characters. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the characters have a very baseline personality. Not flat. They have personalities. But they're kind of one, two-note personalities. And you can't have a character with 20 powers. Not like a D&D yeah. game. Like a D&D game, your ranger can hit really good with a bow and has an animal companion and can retract and can do this. 
No, in the D and D cartoon, reason, they only had one power piece. For some reason, they always seemed to be teams, not individuals. Right. That reason was more so they could toys. sell more toys. Yeah. But they each had an individual role, so you again, you have to buy all the toys, or you're missing one of the roles. Yeah, I mean, hell, look at Batman. Batman, lone Avenger. No, he's not. <laughs> he's got like twenty people around him, so they can sell forty bucks and twenty <laughs> yeah. T-shirts. And yeah, ultimately, nostalgia's great. Thinking about the past is great. Thinking about the good things in the past is great. But you got to be careful because a lot of modern day nostalgia for people our age, our nostalgia is product managed by people trying to make money, which is fine if they put out a good product that you want to buy and spend your money on. But it is kept by someone else. So you have to temper your nostalgia a bit and make new experiences. Yeah. Do you wonder why I think Voltron is as good as it is? Hmm. The company that owns Voltron is the son of the guy that started the whole Voltron craze, brought it over from Japan, rewrote all the episodes. I've met his son at conventions. He's the guy that's running and shepherding this. Mm -hmm. He remembers it growing up as a kid. He remembers having the toys brought over, and he knows he's an adult now. It's got to be updated. He knows what was good about it. He's making decisions based on what the new generation of kids would like. He's changing a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's also not a big board of directors that are right. trying to make decisions. Oh. He's a one-man gatekeeper. Hmm. And that makes well, a difference. And, well, <laughs> it, it's a double-edged sword. One-man gatekeeper for Voltron. Yeah. Fan-fantastic. Yeah, One-man gatekeeper. gatekeeper for Transformers movie? You bay it up. Yeah. yeah. It depends who that gatekeeper Keeper is. Because it yeah. could be George Lucas. Right. So, anyway... Next time we'll be back with a gaming topic. We even had one worked out at dinner and somehow it just never came up. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check the show notes. I've linked not to too many things, but a couple of random tidbits you might find interesting. Are you going to do your Twitter citations on, on the show notes? I, well, I will at least link to saving the game. Yeah, they're uh, great podcasts. And, and if guys. they did retweet from somebody else, you know what? Check out their show. They can give credit to who they can pass the credit along. Mm-hmm. Just like we're reshowing them, they can re like retweet. Retweet, yeah. yeah. So that we can just keep reshowing it back to its source. So yeah. Anyways, you guys have a great week in great games, and we will catch you next time. For great cartoons, movies, 